So special thanks today to uh, Brother Jared Trammell and to our, uh, you know, our technical, audio technical, what do they call that, guys? Yeah, yeah, that's what they call it. Anyway, we appreciate the tech side ministry of Central Baptist today as we've had te- technical difficulties, but they've really done a good job weathering those storms. I'm thankful. And you may be wondering, so why do we have the prayer time and a song right after that? That's, that's what the kids were asking me in my row. They're like, Daddy, what, what's going on? Well, that was planned. That was uh, courtesy of uh, Joseph Williams and Samuel Nelson. Okay. <laughs> Probably wasn't greatly appreciated by, by all. <laughs> but <laughs> the reason is because a while back, Joseph said, you know, it's so easy to get into like a, a pattern in a rut, you know, and, and when you when everybody knows what's coming, you just kind of tend to, you know, fall asleep. So we're, we're like, hey, we're going to switch it up today. And so <clears throat> praise the Lord. I'm excited about this time with you all today. Let's let's pray for the word time. Lord, thank you for this day. It's good to be in your presence with the saints here at Central Baptist Church and Lord, it's a cool fall day and, you know, it's cloudy out there and, and the weather is not exactly energizing. It's kind of making you want to sleep in and not get out. But we're thankful, God, for the faithfulness of your people. We're thankful that we're here. We're thankful, thankful for electricity and a warm building that we can get together and gather in and, and just light so that we can see the pages on our Bibles so that we can read and, and study your word and, and get to know you more, Lord, because that's what life is all about. Eternal life is this knowing Jesus Christ and knowing the Father. And God, we want to know you more today. Would you show us who you are? Remind us who you are. God, the Bible says God is love. Uh, But it's so easy for us to forget that. And I pray that today you would give us a powerful reminder of your love and redemption. God, we need that. Um, We come in uh, through this week, many, many hard fought battles, many, maybe, uh, you know, up during the night, we got a lot of new parents, new moms and dads who are learning how to weather those storms with uh, taking care of children through the night. And God, many of us could be just weary today or in the midst of a trial and, and we need reminders of your love. So God, would you shine on us today? It might be not shining outside very much, but we just pray that your love and your presence would would shine on us today and that your glory would just just yeah be glowing on our faces and and yeah lord we love you and we thank you for this day in jesus name amen central baptist church have you ever doubted that god loves you or that he cares about your life and your situation i've been thinking more and more about the love of God lately is such a huge and important theme in the Bible. If you read the Bible at all, you know that God's love is emphasized and reemphasized. There's a, there's a reason for that. Doubting the goodness and love of God is, is actually fundamental to our nature. Think about that. Doubting the goodness and the love of God is fundamental to our nature. Ever since the first instance of sin, all the way back at the beginning of time, people have failed to trust that God loves them and that he truly wants the best for them. You struggle with that? You relate to that? If you're being honest, you do. Um, 
up to a few months ago, if you would ask me the question, do you struggle with uh, believing that God loves you? I, I probably wouldn't have really quickly understood that, yeah, actually I do. I struggle a lot with that. But as I've mentioned in some of our morning services, I've been working through a curriculum in my own personal devotions called How to Quiet Your Soul. And in this curriculum, the whole premise is that the only cure, this seems kind of, it's ringing and louder or something. I don't want it to be distracting. Um, But the only cure for anxiety, anger, and depression, the only cure is a mind renewed about the truth of who God is and what he really thinks about you. And so you say, well, do you believe God loves you? Well, of course I believe God loves me. God loves everyone. But practically, you might be surprised how much you don't believe that he really loves you and that he really cares about you. And that when, when you have burdens and, and, and cares and anxiety in your heart and problems in your life, that he cares about those. Even the smallest, tiniest little things he cares. He cares when the power gets shut off at your house or the, the water or the, the dishwasher broke or, or big problems like you get a phone call about a sick relative or a car crash or whatever it is. Like God cares and he loves us. But again, as I've studied through this curriculum myself, I have been amazed to discover the doubt in my heart to believe that, man, God really does love you, Samuel. He does care for you. So it's a universal problem. And when we doubt that God loves us, we find ourselves having all kinds of problems with every kind of sin you can think about. And especially with anxiety and despair, which is hopelessness. So doubting the love of God is a universal problem. And brothers and sisters, finding the cure to this problem is a matter of life and death. And you say, well, that sounds pretty dramatic to say that if you doubt that God loves you, that's a matter of life and death. But in fact, it's true. If you don't believe that God loves you, you're not going to trust him. And what happens when you don't trust God? Well, your life spirals out of control. You're heading for the ditches. You're heading for destruction if you don't believe that God loves you. This is a matter of life and death. It is vitally important that you know that God loves you and that you believe that he cares for you. Especially if you've had a a crash in your faith lately or you've had a big problem in your marriage lately or you've had darkness and depression or death in, in, in your experience lately where you see the injustice in the world and you're like, what is going on around here? How can there be a just God who really cares? No, there is a God who loves you and who cares. But you have to go back to the pages of your Bible and you have to read that. And His Holy Spirit has to bring that truth home to your heart so that you believe. We need fresh reminders of this. It's not enough to know that, hey, God loved me 10 years ago when I got saved. I need to know that God loves me still. It was hard enough to believe that he could save me from my past, right? But I need him to save me again and again and again in the present. And in order for that to happen, I need those continual revelations from God. See, salvation isn't something that happens in the past and then you walk away and then you live life on your own by yourself. 
Salvation is the turning point that from this point forward, you are not alone. It's the point when you become convinced that, man, somehow he could love a wretch like me. Man, he can love us. He does love us. He loves us. So today, to remind us of how much God loves us, we're going to turn to one of the most awe-inspiring chapters in the Bible that I can think about. And it's, it's in the book of Psalms, okay? So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles right in the middle. It's easy to find the book of Psalms. So open your Bibles right in the middle to the book of Psalms, spelled P-S-A-L-M. Open your Bibles there to Psalm 107. There are more chapters in the book of Psalms than any other book of the Bible. Okay, and these are actually originally meant to be sung. These are, these are songs, the songs of the ancient Israelites. This is their hymn book. How would you like to, to sing Psalm 107? <laughs> For the next 15 minutes, we'll be singing Psalm 107. <laughs> No, no, not that song. i got to go to the bathroom. Where's the exit? <laughs> Some of these psalms are long. Psalm 107, it's a long psalm, but praise God. We need it because it's all about God's love. I'm going to give you the outline of the psalm, and then I'm going to read the psalm to you, okay? So you can see the breaks and, and, and kind of what's coming. That'll help you as we read through it to, to understand, to absorb it. So in verses 1 through 3, you see the reason the psalm is written. That's called the introduction. Verses 1 through 3, the introduction. And from that point forward, we have five different scenarios. I love this psalm. I don't know about you, but I, I, am, I have trouble seeing the structure of Scripture sometimes. But the more you understand and see the structure, the better you're going to understand Scripture. Well, the beauty of this psalm is that it's not hard to see the structure. It's, it's blatantly obvious. Okay, so there's five stories in this song. The first story is about the desert, and that's in verses four through nine. The second story is about a dungeon, and that's verses 10 through 16. Story number three is about deception in verses 17 through 22. Fourth story is about danger in verses 23 to 32. That's the longest story, by the way. And the fifth and final story is about the downtrodden. And that's in verses 33 to 42. So the desert, the dungeon, deception, danger, and the downtrodden. And finally, in verse 43, there's a closing exhortation. It's impossible to miss the point of the psalm, but the closing exhortation is like, remember the point. And here's the point. Okay, so if you want to know what the point is, look at, look at verse 43 with me. What does he say there? Whoever is wise, that's all of you, I hope. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him consider the steadfast love of 
the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord. So Psalm 107. I'm going to read through it. And would you follow along? It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. This is verse one. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Now the dungeon. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and he cuts into the bars of iron. Now for deception, some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell his deeds in songs of joy. And some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to dwell in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. <clears throat> when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And God's people said, Amen, Amen Lord. Amen. So in the introduction of the psalm, the songwriter begins with a command. What is it? 
Give thanks to Yahweh or give thanks to the Lord. And then he tells us why. Why should we give thanks to the Lord? Because he's good. And how do we know he's good? And he tells you how you know he's good. He said, because his steadfast love endures forever. If you notice in every one of those stories, the dungeon, the deception, the downtrodden, in every one of those stories, God's love never failed. No matter how bad the people were, it really didn't matter. God's love never failed. That is what steadfast love is all about. This is the Hebrew word hesed, and that should sound familiar to us, right? Because Luke and Grace named their daughter hesed. And this is the steadfast love of the Lord. If you look in your Bibles there in verse 1, okay? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his hesed endures forever. Now, hesed is loyal love or unfailing kindness. Man, just write that down. Unfailing kindness. You can just chew on that, soak on that, remember that. What is your God like? He he has just unfailing kindness. See, this is, brothers and sisters, this unfailing love of God, this, this hesed, this is divine love. Okay, this is not like our love, human love. Human love fluctuates. It goes up and down. You know why? I think this is one of the most profound things here that will be said today. Our love fluctuates because it is based on, what, on getting what we want out of the relationship. Right? That's why our love, human love, fluctuates. It's based on what we want in the relationship. And if we don't get it, then we're not going to love We're not going to be patient. We're not going to be kind. We're not going to stay married. We're not going to be whatever it is because we're not getting what we want out of the relationship. But God's love is not like that. You know, God oftentimes does not get what he wants out of the relationship, right? (laughs) Think about your life and your relationship with God. He doesn't always get what he wants from you, but he loves you regardless. It's unfailing kindness. He loves us because he is so good and he is so kind by nature. It doesn't depend on us at all. So next in the psalm here, the, uh, the songwriter is, is calling for a, a specific kind of people to give thanks. He, he calls on the redeemed to step up and give him praise. He calls on those of us who have personally experienced his unfailing Kindness. He said, you guys need to stand up and give a testimony today about the unfailing love of God and his unfailing kindness. God wants to hear from his people in the midst of the assembly that he is unfailing kindness and loyal to the very end. What are the what are the redeemed supposed to be talking about? It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, to say what? They're supposed to be talking about the unfailing kindness of God. So this psalm is written about Israel during a time of their exile. And we can see that in verse 2 as it goes on. It says that the, the Lord redeemed them from their trouble. He gathered in from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. See, God's people had been scattered 
after suffering his divine judgment because of their persistent rebellion and sin against him. And so this psalm is written as, as, as a celebration that God did not stop loving his people when they were scattered out of the promised land, when they lost the right and the privilege and were driven from the promised land. God did not forget them or forsake them. He continued to love them no matter what. Now it's time to give God proper praise and testimony about that. So we're going to move on here to the, uh, to the five scenes and try to move through these quickly because as I sent out in the group chat to our church, uh, my goal is to move through these stories quickly today so that at the end of the sermon, we can have an open mic time and give the church time to give testimony and let the redeemed of the Lord say so, just like this psalm talks about. So let's move on to these stories here. And in each Story, we're going to see an action step, and we're going to see a repeated lesson in each scene. An action step and a repeated lesson. So what is the action step in the desert? And the action step is cry out for direction. Cry out for direction. Now, brothers and sisters, as we go through these five stories, you're going to see overlap. You're going to say, well, hey, that you know... you." Basically, it all comes down to this. In every story, we need to call out for help. <laughs> okay? And in every story, God comes to the rescue of his people. So that's, that's really repeated in every story. But in order to like, bring out the nuances of each story, I, I, I'm trying to give some, some specific um, points here. So in the desert, the action step is to cry out for direction. So it says here that they wandered in desert wastes. Now, you can imagine when God's people, uh, the, the city is surrounded by the Babylonians or, or by the Assyrians in the case of the, the northern tribes. And, um, but God's people are surrounded. Uh, the city walls are broken down. And then, then the, the people of God are attacked. And we see them just scattering all over the place in the psalm. And, and some of them just kind of just run out into the wilderness and they have no idea what they're doing. Okay. And some of them are captured and taken away and hauled into exile and they're put in prison. We see that as well. And then some are left behind, but they still indulge in their sin. So that's all the different stories that unfold here. But the first group that we see is being uh, scattered into the desert. And they wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. These people are lost, right? Would you agree with that based on the text? These people are lost. They're wandering away or wandering around aimless in the desert. They have no idea where they're going or what they're doing. No way to a city to dwell in. Verse five says they're hungry and thirsty and their soul fainted within them. So before they 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 fail outwardly, inwardly, they're just they're they're collapsing inwardly. Now, we know that people faint because their system is overwhelmed. Uh, there's a demand on the system and the supply isn't there. So the body shuts down as a defense mechanism. This is what's happening in the soul. They are, they are so desperate. They are dying for lack of the thirst of God's presence. They need a drink of his spirit, his loving kindness. They need to be reminded of who he is. But... Still, they wander around and they're collapsing, they're fainting, they're hungry, they're thirsty. But in verse six, 
There's a turning point. They cry to the Lord in their trouble and he delivers them from their distress. He leads them by a straight way till they reach the city to dwell in. They were lost, but God wasn't lost. God knew where they were. He knew how to lead them out of that predicament, out of that lostness, out of that burning wasteland. And God knew how to take them by the hand and lead them straightway to a safe place. What's the lesson here? If you're feeling lost and overwhelmed and afraid, lost, overwhelmed, and afraid, cry out to God for his direction. His deliverance in this case comes in the form of direction. God knows the way out. He knows where to take you. He is infinitely wise. He is good. He is for you. He wants to help you, but he's waiting for those who are lost to turn to him and ask him for help. You get to see God. He's standing there. He's waiting. He's waiting for these people. They're, they're, they're fainting in the desert. But the moment they turn to him and cry out, God comes to the rescue. I know as believers, we can relate to this. Uh, Verse eight, it says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. See, he led them by a straight way till they reached the city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. Look at what God does in verse nine. He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. This all goes back to the steadfast love of the Lord, the permanent, the unchanging love of God, the unfailing, loyal love of God. He is for you. He is good. His love can never run out, never run dry. All of us as believers can relate to this. There was a time in our lives when we were wandering around in this world lost dead in our trespasses, but by the grace of God, he gave us a moment of clarity and we realized we are lost and there is no way out and we're not going to make it out alive unless we cry out to God and hope that he is still loves us, hope that he still cares, hope that he hasn't given up. And we cried out to the Lord and lo and behold, amazing grace came to the rescue. God himself came down, rescued our souls, took us out of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love, made us new, gave us his spirit, gave us hope where previously there had been hopelessness and despair. God did that for each of us as believers. What was the lesson that we learned? Man, when you're lost, Turn to the living God and ask for help. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you are lost. You're in a a, a dark place. You're wandering around in in this world and you need help. You need hope. You must turn to the living God. But here's here's what we need to remember as believers, though. The lesson doesn't change. We still get lost, we get turned around, we get confused. As believers, the lesson doesn't change. Cry out to the Lord for direction. When you feel stuck, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel afraid, when you don't know what to do, 
the lesson here is, remember the lesson God taught you at first. Call out for direction. Let's move on to the dungeon. Cry out for help. The action step in the dungeon is cry out for help. As I said, there's an action step and a repeated lesson in each scene. So this is a sad scene. Here we are in the dungeon, verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So why are they in prison? They're rebellious. Open rebellion against the word of the Lord, spurning his counsel. God brought wise counselors into the people's lives. They were like, we're not, we're not going to take that counsel. We're not going to hear it. Turn to deaf ear to the Lord. What were the consequences? Look at the consequences in verse 11. They spurned the counsel of the Most High, verse 12. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. So the consequences of their sin were pain and grief and suffering, unimaginable suffering. These are rebellious people. These are the people that you look at their lives and you think they're never going to get saved. They're too bad. (laughs) They're too far gone. They spurn your counsel. Hey, there's good news for us here today. God knows how to break a rebel. He knows how to break the hardest hearts. He knows how to take people and put them behind the prison bars, if you will, until he gets their attention, until they cry out to the Lord, until they realize that they need help. When I was uh, in South Asia, I was assigned to a children's duty one time. It, we had this, uh, we had a, a retreat going on, a spiritual retreat. And I was assigned children's duty, and there was this one little child. And this child was just determined that, uh, I believe it was a little boy, uh, he, he was going to get his own way, right? It's just one of those kids. Like, he's like, I am going to throw a fit until I get what I want. And so they're like, hey, Sammy, can you, can you help with that kid? So, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm a rebel at heart. I remember what it's like. So yeah, I could. So I took the kid. I, I isolated him <laughs> from all the other kids. And I walked him down. You know, they were all up in this little room. And I walked him down these stairs. And I kind of put him out in this parking lot. And I just let him wander around out there. And he just wailed and cried and screamed. And I, I made sure he was safe. I knew nothing bad was going to happen to him. I knew nothing was wrong with him. He just was going to throw a fit until he got what he wanted. And so here's the thing. In order, he kept trying to get back up to the group. See, and there's this flight of stairs like this. And so he goes over to the stairs. And I'm just watching him. I'm just saying, no. No, you can't do that. Don't go up those stairs. He get about four steps up. I go over there and I pick him up. And I bring him right down to the bottom of the stairs. And on the, going up the stairs, there was this railing. And on the railing, there were all these spindles like this, and they looked like prison bars, right? And so I took him right down to the bottom of the stairs, and I stood him right in front of those spindles. And he grabbed those spindles, ah, you know, and he just throwing a fit until he gets what he wants. I was like, buddy, I love you, I care for you, but you're not going to have it your way today. 
Sure enough, boy, he, he'd wander around a little bit longer, and he kind of—I I just, I just wouldn't pay any attention to him. I just there was a fire pit there, and I kept just like looking at the sticks and throwing them on there. I say, "You want to help me put the fire?" He, no, no, he doesn't want to help me. So there he goes back up the steps. Four steps up, I bring him back down, put him back in jail. Okay, so you get the picture. <laughs> over and over and over again, I was like, "All I have to do this is an hour." See, time is just, I, I had transcended time in that case. I was like, I, I got this, man. I can outlast you. But you're not going to go up there and ruin everybody else's time there, you know? So, back into prison, man. Go back to start. Like, you're not passing go. You're not collecting $200. You're not going to get your way. God knows. He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down. They had nobody to help them. Miserable. Painful, dark, alone. Oh, but finally, he, God knows how to break a rebel, doesn't he? Look at verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. It's about time. Woo, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And guess what? He delivered them. He's so good. He's so kind. It's unfailing love and kindness time after time. There is not a group in all of these five stories. There's not a group that God says, you're too bad. I'm not going to help you when you cry out. Brothers and sisters, as long as you have breath in your lungs, if you will cry out to the Lord, why wouldn't he deliver you? He loves you. He cares for you. Maybe those in who are, you know, doing prison ministry, need to remember Psalm 107 so you can take this message to the brothers and sisters behind bars and tell them, God still loves you no matter what you've done. Verse 14, he brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and he burst their bonds apart. Look at that. I mean, this is just, this, this language, the way that he talks about this. He, he, he brings them out of the shadow of death. He bursts their bonds apart. He just shackles, shattering here. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. You should be thankful. You rebel at heart. God broke you, broke down your will. Oh my goodness, I can remember just throwing a temper tantrum. 26, 27 years old, grown man acting like a three-year-old child because I finally met my matching God and he was like, you know what? You're either going to repent or your life is just, you just, it's just going downhill and you're, you're never going to see the light of day again. I mean, he had to take everything and strip everything away from me. My world, he had to rock that and just break it all apart. And I remember just throwing a fit. It was like the Holy Spirit convicted me. He's like, look at you. Acting like a three-year-old. You're that rebellious. You think that you're going to get your way by just being angry and these things. I'm thankful to the Lord today that he knows how to break a rebel. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, all the wondrous works of God. Now, we tend to think about those things as like these miracles and the healing of the sick and the poor. What about just the wondrous works of just this deliverance, this breaking into the prison? I love the way it ends here. Verse 16, he shatters the doors of bronze and he cuts into the bars of iron. In other words... You were in a prison cell and there was no way you were getting out of that thing unless God is good. Unless his love is unfailing. Unless he is loyal. 
I mean, these were doors of bronze and bars of iron. You're not getting out of that. You're not getting out of that prison cell until God says, until you cry out, until you submit your life to Him and you're willing to do life His way. Turn. Turn to Him today. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, we still struggle with this sin, this pride, this rebellion in our hearts. Sometimes God has to put us in time out, put us behind bars, so to speak. And once again, make it very clear to us, you're not getting out of this situation until you humble yourself and learn how to cry out to God. But He will come, brothers and sisters. That's the hope. His loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. Psalm 103 tells us that. The next group were the, those who were in deception. Now, I distinguish those who are in deception from those in open rebellion. We, we know in the, in the dungeon story that those people, they knew the commands of God and they're like, so what? We don't care what God says, okay? But now those in deception in this next group, these are the ones who are just, they, they've been fooled, they've been tricked. They've been sucked in. Now they're in this addictive cycle. It says in verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. So the word fools here means a stubborn person who's void of understanding. This is the kind of person who makes the same mistake over and over and over again. And he never learns his lesson. You know anybody like that? Have you ever been like that? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He never learns his lesson. Think about someone who's, who's addicted to drinking alcohol. He loses his job. He loses his family. He loses his home. He loses his relationship with God. He loses his will to live. But he still goes back to his addiction again and again and again for satisfaction. Well, maybe this time, maybe this time I'll get that, that high. Maybe this will help me or deliver me in some way. This guy is deceived. Brothers and sisters, if sin is ruining your life and you keep going back to it, what do you think is going to ultimately happen? You think it's going to help you and heal you? Or is it going to ruin and destroy you? Don't be deceived. What a man sows, he will also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Nobody mocks God. Nobody gets away with sin. Sin is pleasurable for a season. But then it comes back to haunt, to haunt you. Brothers and sisters, look at what it says here in verse 18. See, sin was pleasurable for a season. They were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction and loss. And they got to the point where sin wasn't pleasurable anymore. Look at verse 18. They loathed any kind of food. Whatever their, their means of indulgence was, it got to the point where it just wasn't satisfying at all anymore. In fact, they hated it. They're losing the will to live at this point. Look at what it says. And they drew near to the gates of death. That's where all addiction leads, to the gates of death. Turning your Bibles back to Numbers 11, I want you to remember this story with me. Numbers 11, 
I don't know if we're going to read anything more convicting than this today, so just a, a spoiler alert here, but Numbers chapter 11, verses 18 through 20. Numbers 11, 18 through 20. This is God speaking. Uh, the people had complained that they didn't like the menu in the, in the wilderness. God was giving them manna to eat, taking really good care of them. But they didn't appreciate the, the lack of variety. And so they complained. And they're like, oh, I just want to go back to Egypt. Really made God angry. Okay, so this is what he said. Verse 18. Say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Mm -mm -mm. That was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> therefore, therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but a whole month, until it comes out at your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? Oh, wow. Okay, now look what happens in verse 31. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up. This is Numbers eleven thirty-one. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up and it brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp about a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side around the camp and about two cubits above the ground. I mean, it's just like millions of quail. <laughs> and the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day. And you can just see them just like greedily gathering it all up and gathering the quail so they could satisfy their cravings. And those who gathered least gathered 10 omers and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. When the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people. And the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of that place was called Kibroth Hateva, because, because there they buried the people who had the craving. And you see the note in your Bible, maybe, right? Did you already look down at that? What does Kibroth Hateva mean? Graves of craving. What they craved put them into the grave. Brothers and sisters, hear, the, hear that. What they craved put them into the grave. Beware of your cravings. So what's the lesson back in Psalm 107? You can flip back there with me. Psalm 107. What's the lesson here for those who are deceived? If you're suffering and bound in an addictive cycle, cry out for deliverance. That's the lesson. Or, or that's the, the action step. Cry out for deliverance. The lesson is that God will deliver you. You say, this, this sin is too great for me. I'll, I'll never be free. 
No, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You're not a slave to sin anymore. You're a slave to righteousness. With the help and the strength of Jesus Christ and your humble dependence on him, you will be more than a conqueror. You can have freedom. You can have victory. I love the means of deliverance here. You're in Psalm 107, right? How did God heal them in verse 20? Look at this. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. God delivered this particular people who were bound in addiction and sin and deception. He set them free through his word. Maybe it was a sermon or a song or maybe they picked up the Bible and started reading and seeking satisfaction in the unfailing love and kindness of God. I have to throw this in there. Maybe they went to biblical counseling. That's what happens oftentimes, right? When we have an addictive cycle, we need like some specific, intensive Bible therapy. Exactly what biblical counseling is designed to do, to to take the Bible and apply it to a part, a spot in your heart that's just hard and that needs to be broken down and softened. So these people were set free by the word of God. And what does it tell this people group to do in verse 21? Let them thank the Lord for his unfailing kindness, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And I love this in verse 22. They're called to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and glorify God in the art of songwriting. You know, some of the best songs are songs of deliverance, right? When people have a a story about how God delivered them and they write a song about it and they play that song and it just like washes over the crowd like just a wave of grace, right? Let them write songs. Quickly to the danger, to those in danger. Because I think this one is, is very relevant to us today as comfortable Americans. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. First of all, these are people, they go down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. Maybe they weren't even in Israel when the, when the, when the city was attacked and the people fled. These people are just kind of going about their business. They're comfortable. They're money makers, right? They have their act together on the outside. See what it says there in verse 23? They went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They're just going about their business. They're comfortable. They have two incomes, four vehicles, a lake house, four wheelers and jet skis. These people are living the dream. These people have nothing to worry about. But guess what? God knows how to break those kinds of people too. God knows how to afflict the comfortable. God knew how to get their attention. What did he do? He sent, a, he sent a storm. Verse 25 says, He commanded and he raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. I mean, God is just rocking their world. He is shaking them up. He has given them a wake-up call they will never forget. He's like waking and shaking. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. You can see them like they're, they're trying to stand up on the deck of the ship and it's going, oh, it's going way up in the waves. It's going way down at the bottom of the sea, up and down. And they're just like, trying to... 
They're just staggering all around the ship, grabbing on the rail, holding on for dear life. Oh, they're just, they don't know what to do. They're at their wits' end. They're at their wits' end. Finally, 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 verse 28. Then, after they were at their wits' end, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. See how hard-hearted they were? It took a lot to get them to that point, didn't it? They didn't quickly call out to the Lord. Hey, we're in trouble. Maybe we should pray. No, no, not these people. They're going to figure it out. They're going to weather this storm. They're going to ride it out so they can go right back to making money and living the dream. And God says, no, you're not getting out of this. God gave them a problem that they could not solve on their own until they turned to him and said, we need help. What's the action step? If you're in danger, call out for salvation. There are times, brothers and sisters, when you're going to be in danger. You're going to be desperate. You're going to be scared. You need to call out to the Lord for salvation. He is a God who is eager and ready to save. I say if, if God was you know, living among us right now, he would be like a, a police officer or a fireman or an emergency rescue pilot or something, something where he could rescue people because that's what God loves to do. He loves to answer that prayer. Oh, God, save me. Stop trusting in your money, your riches, and your wealth. Stop trusting in anything besides the Lord. Turn to Him more quickly. Automatic reflex. Prayer. Prayer. We're just going to pray. The projector's not working. Pray. The car tire's flat. Pray. The house is on fire. Pray. You know, pray. I heard... Okay, true story. Cole Camp, Missouri, a child was kidnapped from a Mennonite family. Um, There was a a nurse that would come and help take care of this baby for whatever the reason. Um, You know, obviously the the nurse was corrupt. She kidnapped the baby and, and just took off. They had no idea what happened to her. They just knew the child was missing. You know, the first thing those people did, call the police. No, the first Thing they did was call their community together and they prayed. You say, that's crazy. It is so counterintuitive, so countercultural. These people said, only God knows where the baby is. Let's pray. Guess what happened later that day? They found that, that lady and that baby in Kansas City. And the testimony of those people was that they prayed. This God, his, his unfailing kindness. The downtrodden. If you catch the drift of this passage here in this last group of people, right? First of all, they're poor and needy. Look at verse 36. He lets, he, there he lets the hungry dwell. And they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards. They get a fruitful field. By his blessing, they multiply greatly. He does not let their livestock diminish. So he's peaceful, little house on the prairie scenery here, right? Everything's going great for the people of God here. God's, you know, they were poor and needy, but he gave them a place to live, gave them a place to live, gave them flocks, gave them herds, gave them blessing. Everything's going well, but in verse 39, they live in a sinful world. And so even though they are going about their business, serving the Lord, other people's sin boils over onto them, right? Right? 
So they start suffering for other people's sin when they are diminished and brought low through oppression and evil and sorrow. So these people are being taken advantage of. They're being oppressed. And they're probably tempted to believe, where's God? Where's the justice of God? God was, everything was going so well. We didn't do anything wrong, but now it's like we're being punished. What's happening here? It's very confusing. Might be tempted to think, God's not just. But yes, he is. Look at verse 40. He, the Lord, pours contempt on princes. He makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. In due time, God does rescue. God does rectify. God settles the score. Vengeance belongs to him and he will have it in due time. He is being patient so that people have time to repent. But in due time, if they do not, he will require it. Verse 42 says, the upright see it and are glad. Why? Because justice has been finally served. And all the wickedness shuts its mouth at that point. Brothers and sisters, here's the lesson for all of us. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. No matter what, God was working God was faithful. He was loyal to his people. Now, I want us to take some time now. And I want to give everyone here a chance. I should say some of you a chance. (laughs) To share how the Lord has redeemed you from all of your troubles. Maybe there was a time in your life that you were reminded about today. You say, man, as you were preaching today, that reminded me of my life six years ago. And God did this just amazing thing. And I want to give a testimony about that. Okay. Or maybe today God confronted you about something in your life, but he broke a chain. He opened a door and you believe that he's working and setting you free. And you want to give testimony to the Lord about that. What I want to do is I want to take uh, 60 seconds and I want us all just to be quiet. And I want to give you guys time to pray and reflect. And I'm going to put a, 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 yeah, a microphone down here right in front. And we're just going to give just a few minutes. We don't have long. We're going to give a few minutes if there's anybody that God is just like really burdening your heart to share something. And I want you to, before you come forward, two things. Number one, would this be a good and helpful thing for the congregation to hear? Okay, maybe there's something today that God blessed you with, but it's, you know what, that's for you and the Lord to enjoy or for you to talk about later with somebody today. Okay, so is there a good thing that's good for the whole congregation here? And secondly, can I tell this story in a brief way that will bring glory to God? Because that's what we see in these, these, these sermons right here, these passages, right? They're just these little snapshots, little snapshots about the trouble they were in, how they turned to the Lord, how God delivered, and how God should be praised. Okay? Verse 32 says, Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. I think it's only fitting and right that we would close the service by obeying what this psalm is saying, giving glory to God for the redemption that he's brought about in the lives of his people.
So we're going to do that. I'm going to give you a minute. Think about it. Do you have something to share that would be good for everybody to hear? And can you tell it in a very brief way, in such a way that brings glory to God? Okay? All right. Take 60 seconds. So I would like to thank the Lord. Amen. Jesus Christ, who's head of my life. <laughs> this verse uh, in 107, verse 10, where he's talking about <clears throat> being in the dungeon. I'm saved. Sanctified, filled with his presence, Holy Spirit. And Jesus is head of my life. About three years ago, three or four years ago, I started back smoking cigarettes after 20 some years. And I couldn't stop. And I hated that I had started back smoking. But <clears throat> I did. And uh, I was having people to pray for me and still smoking and still addicted. And I wasn't smoking in public because I knew that upon my testimony of what I knew God was calling me to do and how me to do and be praying for people. But I still had this somewhat secret addiction. And so, about a few months ago, maybe about two or three, in June, I had told a few people, you know, uh, that what I was struggling with. And uh, so one day, I was like, Lord, I hate, I hate this addiction. And I didn't want to be smoking. I didn't want to smell smoke. I never liked to smell the cigarettes. But I was still entrapped in it. So not too long after uh, a certain guy here shared a testimony about his addiction. I'm praying for him. And I'm praying for myself. I had other people praying. And I'm like, God, I want deliverance too. And uh, he just reminded me, he said, Angie, you can, do, you can be delivered from this, just like he can be delivered from what he was struggling with. And I said, I know, but the, I just couldn't do it. So one, one day, uh, I was listening to a sermon on the radio, and uh, it was talking about we already have the will. Is God's will in us to work in us to do of his good pleasure? That came out. And I'm like, okay, Lord, it's your will to work in, my, in me to do of your good pleasure. And that's what I wanted. So anyway, uh, it happened. I received that word. I received it. I received it. I mean, I was sitting in front of all these. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <laughs> when that word came, and I received it. And so, 
I knew I had to walk it out and it had to be processed out. Don't go buy no more cigarettes. I was, and I didn't. And he let me, let me know that that addiction feeling that I was having wasn't there no more. And I was like thanking him and praising him in my car. And I was calling people to tell them, I said, you know what, he, his word said, I don't have to have that cigarette no more. And his will to work in me to do a physical pleasure is it's happening and it's going to take place. And I didn't have to have that struggle and taste anymore. So I received the word of the Lord, you know, and it just became alive in me. And I haven't smoked since then. And I'm grateful for that. But I'm going to just read this and I'm sit down. See, those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death were sitting in darkness in the shadow of death. If I died, I was going to be asking for the body present with the Lord, but while I'm still here, I wanted to do the will of God. And it said, bound in affliction and in irons. I was feeling that. Whenever I felt I didn't want to smoke, but I was smoking, that's the way I was feeling. It said, because they rebelled against God's word. I was in rebellion against his word, because the word was coming time and time. But until I received, until I received that particular word that day, I was still going to be bound. Said and despised the counsel of the Most High God. His Holy Spirit was kept telling me, Angie, you don't have to do it. I wasn't going to rebel this time. I didn't want to quench the Holy Spirit because I know the Holy Spirit of God works in me. But two can't walk together when they agree. It's either faith or fear, and I didn't want that type of fear. I wanted to faith in God to stand strong in me. And then it says uh, therefore he brought down their heart and labor. My heart was heavy. Even the labor part. Breathing and trying to, you know, your lungs and all this stuff. It's not good. It wasn't good for me. It's not good for nobody. But I was still trapped until that day. And then, uh, and then they cried out to God, to the Lord in their troubles. I cried out to him several times, but this was a day that I cried out to the Lord in my troubles. And he brought me out of that darkness into uh, the shadow of the death. And he broke my chains are smoking into pieces. Yes, he did. And he said, oh, that man would give me praise. Hallelujah. I was able to praise him with a clean conscience, clean heart, and all that. And, and glorify him. It would have said, let the redeemer of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed, I'm bought, I'm paid for no longer bound to smoking, those, any addictions like that. I still have struggles in my life because I will until he take me out of here, but I don't have to be 
bound to things that is not according to his will. Thank you. Hey everybody, I'm Clayton, and I just want to testify the power of God's word working in my life. Um, a long time ago, I read that we should love what the Lord loves and hate what he hates. And so I started really hating the sin in my life and loving how other people were able to praise him in their lives. And I started having an own standard, an own law in my life that I could never live up to. And so every day, instead of hating my sin, I started hating myself for not being able to love God the way I know I should every single day. And verse um, 20 really stood out to me. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the pit. Um, biblical counseling isn't good because it's biblical counseling. It's good because it's about the Bible. It's God's word that has power. It's not, it's not just counseling. It's them revealing and reminding you of what God has said in his word. And I went there with no specific reason, but um, God has just worked wonderfully in my life and revealed to me that he loves me as a good, loving father. And his faithful love keeps returning to me, even though I hate myself. But because of his love, I've, and because of biblical counseling, which I think everyone should go to, I realize that I don't need to hate what God loves. I don't need to hate myself because he has paid his blood for me and he loves me more than I can ever love myself. And I just want to live for him with all that I am. No longer having my own standard, but realizing that um, I am actually nothing. It's another psalm, I think it's Psalm 22, saying, talking about the soldier of the Lord. And God is the one who trains his arms to draw the bow. God is the one who makes it so his foot doesn't slip. God is the one who empowers his heart and guides the arrow as it flies through the air. God is the one who empowers us. We actually can't do anything. And I began hating myself also because I knew that my righteousness wasn't where I wanted it to be. And instead of relying on God's righteousness, I was relying on myself. And I just thank God so much for the free biblical counseling that the seminary offers. And for brothers in Christ here who can support me and who I've talked to and who love me. And just, it's wonderful how powerful God's word is in changing our hearts. Ashanti, I haven't met you yet. Um, I just want to talk about a, a time um, earlier in the, in the semester. Um, just, yeah, just kind of, I'll just word it like this. Just, I remember um, it was during the For the Church conference, and, and that's, that's not the most important detail, but it was, I remember going to a morning session and having time in between sessions. And I remember about an hour before the evening session, um, I just, you know, just, just certain things going on, going on, just my emotions and, and just uh, anxiety was heavy, anxious about things. Um, 
And I know, I know a lot of us have experienced that. And there's this word that I can't, can't help but use. It's called it's breakthrough. I mean, we, we don't use that word. I don't hear that word used a lot in our, in our circles. Like, I hear a lot of charismatics use it. And, but it's this idea, like, when we, I just really, but I feel like I really experienced uh, through prayer, a breakthrough in that time of anxiety. Um, just about my situation, not knowing which way was up or down. I was like, I remember being in my dorm room, just, just sitting there, just like, I was like, Lord, I don't even know how I feel. I don't know how, know how to interpret it. Yeah, y'all know how anxiety is. Um, but two things happened. Um, one thing, Rich, where, where is he? Where is he? Is he here? Rich, he was on a, he, he was on a, uh, some sort of personal, he was taking his personal, like, spiritual retreat time. And I, he, he texted, he, in that moment, he texted me. He said, hey, I'm on a, on a spiritual retreat. How can I be praying for you? Um, and so it was, it was in that moment. Another thing that happened was um, uh, I, get a, I got a call from Amar. And I got to, and it was, it was early on in my relationship with Amar. Um, and so I got to just talk to him. And he was telling me how he was, he was getting his word and, and reading Mark and stuff. It was super, just like encouraging. Um, but talk about breakthrough in a moment of just utter reliance on the Lord. Now, he didn't, an- he didn't answer me according to my anxieties, the subject of it. He, he answered me according to um, what he already has given me. And, and like he, he, so he let me know that uh, Rich was praying for me. And so I, I let him know. And it was awesome. I was comforted in that. But he also let me know when Amari called me. He he reminded me that I'm I'm going to one place and that's and that's heaven and in the meantime I'm I'm participating in God's mission to continue to keep on moving forward, being faithful, being a faithful steward of what He's given me, going forward, making disciples for His glory, preaching the gospel, and uh, living for His glory. So now I had an action step. It was, my action step was just keep going and be faithful. Things like do your homework and like meet with Amari and like different things and like the Lord really set me on my back on my path and those those anxieties still aren't necessarily answered you know my questions aren't answered but He reminded me in that moment that moment of breakthrough in prayer in that moment like that He was He was listening to me He answered me in, a, in such a beautiful way and so I mean just talk about breakthrough breaking chains like. You can't do anything, but God can. God can do something over time, but He can also He also does things in an instant. Uh, so yeah, we have to trust the Lord. Turn to Him. Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So, amen. I, don't be afraid when I say this, but I could sit here all day and listen to this. I mean, this is awesome, but. We do need to go because we have our poor little children's church workers, right? <laughs> and the poor little kids up in that little room, it's like, uh, we need to have mercy and compassion. <laughs> and uh, we do need to go. So, um, but what we have started here in praising God and giving testimony and giving glory to God, don't stop. Like the rest of this day, when you fellowship with each other, when you have lunch together, like, just put... Put the praises of God in the forefront of the conversation. Like, bring it out. Tell a story. Tell about a way that God has redeemed you in your life and give Him praise and glory, okay? We just got it kind of warmed up here. Just keep it going. And not just today, but this week. And may the theme of our song 
all day long, every day be the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never comes to an end. It never comes to an end. Ashanti's going to come and lead us in uh, the, uh, the uh, doxology, and then we'll have our uh, closing benediction, and we're going we're gonna to head out. So. Well, let's just, let's just stand up and we can sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father. Oh uh-huh.